Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. This is Desiree DeBois, founder of An Empowered Woman and Let's Talk Success. And we support women that are starting, fixing, and building their businesses with our radio shows, TV shows, mastermind meetings, seminars, and awesome live events. Today, we are preparing for the series of Let's Talk Success. It's going to be a weekly podcast. You will hear from women who have achieved a seven-figure mark with their businesses, and they will share their stories, their challenges, their victories, and their secrets to success. And today, I have the pleasure of being with Raja Mojave. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, Desiree. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Do you feel empowered? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, I always ask that question. Sometimes a lot of things are going on in our day, but it kind of grounds us to say, yeah, am I feeling empowered? Because it varies from day to day, does it not? (laughs) It absolutely does. Depends how you wake up that morning. Um, You've got to take a shower, put on your best look, and walk out that door. Fantastic. I know that you do that really, really well. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in business. What was the initial spark that created it? Because you've had a, quite a very successful career. And you talk a little bit what you do and how you got started with it. Um, actually, I don't know. Um, I We immigrated to New York City in 1969 from, um, I was born in Jordan. Um, so I believe we're second generation and um, had a really hard childhood, hard growing up. My mom died when I was 10, went through two-step moms, had difficulty in schooling. I was told by my educators that I should just become a secretary because that was the abilities that they saw in me at that point in time. And um, eventually finished uh, high school, college, put myself through college, and um, ended up getting married, uh, moved to L.A. from New York. And um, the first three Four years of our marriage after having two children, uh, I think uh, Jonathan was 10 months and Omar was two years old, my husband sustained a major electrical fire in one of the projects that we were um, working on, and um, he was hospitalized and we lost everything. We lost uh, everything uh, we were building. We were successful as, as young entrepreneurs, if you will. I always worked in the finance and corporate. I used to work for GE. Um, I used to be part of Jack Welsh's um, team in New York, so I have a lot of finance background. And when uh, this happened to my husband, it was very difficult for us because we were in a lot of debt. His life was on the line, and I had two toddlers to take care of at the same time. And his family was supportive, and they were okay out here, but it would have been nice to have my family out here also, and that was not feasible. Um, After... He was able to recover and got out of, um, he healed okay. We ended up, uh, he asked me to join the business um, because while he was in his hospital bed, he would dictate to me to meet subcontractors and contractors and inspectors and get material and collect money. That's how I started in the business. Um, was not <clears throat> what I wanted, was not what I really cared to do because <laughs> that was not my my vision for me. <laughs> Um, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much how I got into the business. And when he asked me to be on it, because I used to always help him behind the scenes, because our culture, a Middle Eastern, um, <clears throat> doesn't always allow women to be up front and center in, in business, and usually the man's the one that takes it over. Um, and I told him that I wanted to to be hands-on and I wanted to be in the public eye if I was going to be part of the business with him. I didn't want to be in the background. 
and he agreed to, agreed to do that and ended up giving me majority of the business, and that's how I got involved. Amazing. So that's MarTech Construction. So tell us a little about the company. Do you specialize in commercial or residential, or what type of construction does MarTech specialize in? Um, it's all commercial. We do a lot of federal projects. Um, the majority of our projects are prevailing wage. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and um, we've been doing business with the federal government for over 20 years. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's called an IDIQ. It's a five-year contract. You have to bid on it every five years. You get a one-year in, in the contract with a four-year option, and the government has the power to renew or not to renew. Um, we've been pretty lucky and sustained in a steady with them um, for over 20 years. Um, we have an impeccable reputation and um, pretty much old school kind of a contractor where um, today uh, that doesn't exist as much as it used to back in the day um, where we really care about our clients and we go the extra mile without nickeling and diming them for things that they're little things, minor things that might make them happy. So, you know, you, um, you're you bringing up a couple different things. One of them is that I want to go back to your culture and the fact that usually the women are behind the scenes in the culture and then your husband agreed. That must have been quite a victory for you. But also, what was the thought or the, the emotions with your family and his friends or other people in the industry? Was there any resistance or feedback from that move? Because it's pretty... The, the, cult, you know, the culture was... Um, it, it, it was hard for me to get into it because I am a woman and uh, uh, the mentality in the Middle Eastern culture is usually, you know, the man controls everything. And um, even when I got into the business, and I'm talking 20 years ago, um, equal rights amendment and women, you know, being uh, recognized for being women in business back then was just the beginning, it was touching the iceberg of, of women in business. And when I used to go to, to jobs, I used to, uh, for lack of better words, get hit on by the subcontractors instead of being appreciated for maybe my knowledge base or what my purpose was there. Um, so it was difficult transitioning to the point where I ended up changing, not changing, just giving myself a nickname from Raja to Amy because Amy flowed better in the construction industry than Raja, and Raja would come up if I was to meet with a subcontractor. I would be asked a whole bunch of questions on you know, the, the background of my name and me and where I came from, and that wasn't the purpose of the meeting mm-hmm. with these individuals. So it was, mm-hmm. it was difficult. Mm-hmm. Was there a time where you thought, was it worth it or not? Honestly, um, didn't I, I didn't, like I said, I, I, I went through schooling not to be a contractor. I became a contractor because of my husband's accident, and it was um, survival mm-hmm. mode. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, and it took a while for me to learn the industry. You know, it's, it's not just you get in business and you start building. It's you, know, you have insurance. You need to know how to deal with the insurance. You need to know how to deal with bonding. You need to qualify for bonding. You need to build a resume. You can't just go bid on a $500,000 job if you're only used to bidding anywhere from 100 and, and below. So, and and mm-hmm. you're not going to be provided the opportunity to bid in a $500,000 job, for example, because you don't have the resume to prove that you've done five such jobs in the past, within the past five years. 
So it, it was a struggle to build that resume. So do you feel like because you had to learn even more, be even smarter, be sharper, because one, you were a woman, and and then secondly, because you were a um, you know leader in that movement as far as being a woman in your culture and business? Uh, I absolutely by harder because yeah because of the conditions that you're working with. Well, the issue is you, I, I I did have to because um, I run the entire company, if you will. My husband bids on the jobs and builds the jobs. But to really run a, a, a corporation, any corporation, you have to have your paperwork intact. You have to have your your state and federal and all your legalities um, uh, timelines met. It's it's not just you open a business, I'm going to bid a job and go build it, and that's it. There's a whole bunch of paperwork <laughs> behind that in the administration. And then there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of paperwork because it's federal. I mean, one invoice for Martech Construction could be 100 pages, one invoice, because you have to collect from every subcontractor of several documentations to submit to the, the government so you can get billed, so they can pay you. It's you not, it's not cut and dry. <laughs> I can imagine that, and I just want to even take a moment for everyone to really realize that, you know, in, in that situation, I mean, here you can, you have a cultural barrier to overcome. You had a, you were a female in the construction male-dominated business, and you were relatively young and still trying to juggle two young children, you know, so it's just that, and I say that because there are some ladies that could be listening to this interview and think, well, I can't. You know, I can't because I've got kids or I can't because I'm a woman or I can't because I'm a different culture and our culture doesn't accept that. So you kind of broke a lot of, you had a lot of different barriers to work through. And especially now to be able to be recognized, you know, as a, um, as a woman-owned business, you know, since 2003, that's huge. You know, that's huge being able to do take that whole transition. And then you're talking about dealing with mentioning doing the federal government and just all the bureaucracy and the pop, you know, the process must be very extensive. So that wants me to ask you, what do you do when you got into those moments when you felt like I just had to be overwhelmed? <laughs> had to be what, what do I do? I'm sorry. Your journey. <laughs> What do you do when you hit that, when you hit all that hits you? Like, you know, oh, my goodness, this is what I'm up against. What do you do? You, the the beginning was really rough because I was learning. I went, I did a lot of schooling. I only graduated with a two-year degree um, from New York City, from Borough Manhattan Community College, that because of my childhood was, my childhood was so difficult for me. I didn't have, you know, the, the support, and I put myself through college, and I was told that, and I should go, you know, become an administrator because that was the best of my ability. And, that, you know, that's what I did. And back then, word processing, believe it or not, I'm talking back in the day, was a, was a college degree in word processing, where today technology has come so far. You need a computer science degree today. Um, that's <laughs> all I have is a word processing degree in administration, period. And I didn't have any experience to get from there to where I am today. I, you know, I, I did a lot of schooling. I took, you know, classes. I took certificate programs. I, I won a scholarship to UCLA to get the business management development program. I, I did a, a year of that. I have my paralegal credentials. I mean, it's, and this is schooling. I have, I used to do taxes, so I used to have a tax license. I'm a realtor. I'm a real estate license. 
and it's between the kids, the husband, and the business. It's just the willpower. It's crazy, isn't it? You just keep going. It's survival. It's like it, it's nuts, but it is. That that's what that's that's what drove me. Because I was told I couldn't but make it. Really? Oh my goodness. Those I was famous told the best words. I is that really? As a secretary. Yeah. So I am beyond that today. So way me, beyond that. <laughs> for you, so tough. that really is. I mean, you hear people say that, you know, like they said I couldn't do it. That teacher, that you know, parents, and so forth, and that's what drives them. And you just—it's hard to believe that that those few words can either, you know, can drive. Make or break somebody in their whole career, their whole life. And it's wonderful that you can actually be able to tap into that and utilize that as a driver. But some people have tapped into that and used that as an excuse. You know, well, they, I, they a, said I could. They know better than I and didn't. You did differently. Well, and you know what? If if your listeners are, are out there and they're listening to this, I mean, the worst thing an educator can do is put down a child because it, it that negative to, that that's told whatever that statement is to that child they live it for the rest of their lives and they can't shake it off we destroy our children instead of helping to build a future which is our children so it's you know that's devastating you know i think man i think it's hard to believe that people don't realize that impact you know and still do it and sometimes it's even the parents or a family member you know sometimes it's not even outside Absolutely. the home and people those few words they I, it's hard for me to believe that any adult don't know how damaging that is to an individual any individual in any time in point of time but again thankfully for you you took it and utilized it to power you through so talk about your stories about your challenges your victories, okay? So you have accomplished so much in your credentials. I can't even start to read them <laughs> with all the licenses and credentials you have. What are some of the victories? What were some of the moments that you said, okay, this is worth it? Um, I, I, My biggest drive was my children. During this entire transition, building Martech Construction and going through the, the fire accident with my husband, um, and, and trying to make ends meet. During this entire process, I ended up um, learning that my children were special needs and they have learning disabilities. They are what you call twice exceptional, highly gifted and learning disabled. Um, and they had their own challenges. And I had a difficulty with the school system to get them the services. And um, as much as successful as MarTech was, my kids weren't successful in schooling and they needed help. And so I ended up... And with everything I just told you, I ended up um, creating a nonprofit for special needs to help families um, uh, get uh, assessments paid for by private assessors um, because of what my family endured. We went through eight years of hell with the school system, suing them to get the services, and no family should go through that. Um, we ended up going to Ninth Circuit Federal Court on one of my children's cases. And like I said, the fire accident, we lost everything we had. And um, when my kids were diagnosed with special needs um, deficits, we ended up losing everything again because we went through eight years of lawsuit. So we had to rebuild again and put the marriage on, on the brinks. Uh, we financially we struggled a lot. The business Martech Construction suffered because uh, we needed to put money towards the children, and we used to own a house, and we ended up um, selling it because 
we, we couldn't afford the payments anymore and, and afford the lawyers. And so it, it was really dim for a long time. And finally, when we succeeded and we won all the lawsuits and the kids were in a better place, um, the construction company was, was began to thrive again. And we were able to bid on bigger jobs, better jobs. And, and my belief is the more successful you are in business, you need to give back, you need to pay it forward. And I pay it forward through my nonprofit because it, I, I believe the more you pay it forward and the more you do good and you do charity work, your business will, will thrive on its own. It's just, you know, the, the way the universe works, that's just the way it is. You have to give to get, but... You, you give and you get in, in different ways, and it's not all, always monetary. And if you're lucky enough to, you know, to, to get money back and as a return because of what you've given, then you need to give some of that money back to some sort of a charity so that it, it, the circle keeps going. You know, it's a couple of thoughts there is that, one, you're, you, know, you talked about how your business um, suffered a couple times, you know, where you went through, you know, tough times and then brought it back. So I want to point that out because some of us are could be struggling with our businesses or have struggles with business, and sometimes we quit, or sometimes we think that you know we're just not good enough, or the business is not good enough, or sometimes we just keep pushing it through for it to come back. So I think it's a real hard message there for everyone to realize that if you feel you have a good business and you have something that even if it has it has its ups and downs, and it, too, can either come back bigger, stronger, and better. And then the second gift that you just shared with us is the fact that there is that, you know, law of attraction, there's that um, that circle of giving and getting and giving and getting, and nothing else when you give, you give, it's the greatest gift you give to yourself. You know, I think people don't realize that when I give something because you want to give it, it's a good feeling, it's a gift, it's the initial gift that you get, it's the gift that you get to yourself by just being able to affirm the fact that, you know, I'm able to give, you know, that's a, that's a space of abundance, that's a you know, space of excess or extra, you know, and so that act, no matter how large or small it is, is the act that you want to continue to do because you are the first person to benefit from it. And then again, like you said, it will come back eventually. So you've had some great success you know, with your business, with your children now that are doing amazing things. What are some of the secrets to your success? If you were to kind of narrow it down, are there three things that if only you had known or things that going forward you do differently? What were they doing? Um in my construction business, the difficult, the most difficult hurdle we had was to go from, a, and I'm not joking, a $2,000 job to an over a million dollar job. And um, <laughs> you can't do that. You just can't do that without without suffering and pounding the pavement. I, I can't tell you how many job walks I've gone to and went into a room with 50 men. And they they would laugh because I I'm talking 20 years ago um, because I was a, a woman. Um, it's just and, and then not just you know getting getting the material the paperwork bringing it to the office and putting a bit together. It's no no construction company in in, in this industry will give an opportunity to anybody who doesn't have a resume built. You need to have you know three to five $500,000 jobs, three to five $1 million jobs on your resume so that you have the opportunity to bid on that level and higher. And it took literally a, a good 15-plus years to get to that level because you have to, you, you have to prove yourself. You, know, you don't prove yourself. They don't know what you're worth. 
And the only way you prove yourself is if you do a job on that level and you get a good performance evaluation by the client. Um, and everything for us is federal. And I got into it because I joined all the minority. I certified my, not minority as much as I can so I can get that edge. And it, it helped a lot to get that edge. But um, that would be, you know, one thing. And then building the resume, networking. They have so many different um, uh, resources out there that you need to plug into. So I used to go to uh, many many um, uh, organization uh, events, and I would give out the card and go to the tables and meet with the people. It's, like, really important to, to network and build relationships because without that, they don't know who you are. You have to have a face-to-face. Everything today is technology. Um, and technology may be great, but, it, you know, old school, uh, you got to go back to old school. you got to go back to the handshake, to the face-to-face, to meet the people so they know who you are and could, could put the, the voice to the face. Um, we operate our construction company um, very, very old school. We go out of our way for our um, for our clients. And I can't stress that enough because you know everything is automated. So the, the phone calls they go to a machine, uh, emails everything is emails, texting. Nobody wants to talk anymore. And um, that's that the new way to do business is not as successful in my opinion as. Um, the, the old school ways where you can really get to know who the person is and, and sell yourself to that individual so that they have confidence in you and it's not just an email that they're reading. Yeah, there's so many great nuggets in that because the one in being able to, knowing what you're up against and qualifying yourself and just be willing to do it and do what you need to do to be able to be qualified. Um, utilizing the different you mentioned the women-owned business, the minorities, um, all the different certifications and avenues that are available. It actually did give you the edge. Some people don't realize the value in that. It is it's another income generating or money, you know, generating opportunity for the organization where it truly was effective and had some effective for you. Um, and in the old school, I think we are so influenced by all the new technology, even this Today, for us, we started with the Skype or we started with the Zoom and going back to basics, the phone, which I love this the best. <laughs> I love the easiest. And I just decided as I was listening to you, I'm going to stay old school with my podcast. I'm going to do it via the telephone. It's easy and it's done. So being brave enough, being comfortable enough, and being confident enough to say this is works for me and um, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to be able to achieve in spite of that, um, in spite of all the other things that are going on. And then if you have a family-owned business, you know, and there's a lot of credit. People do want to deal with the established, hardworking, family-owned, or back to, you know, the old school people that you can have a face to it. Because eventually this error will come and go. And who knows what's on the other side of it, but it's worked for you. So I congratulate you on, again, knowing what's been working for you, knowing what's comfortable for you, and knowing how you're going to, and I'm sure the customers that you, you know, that you have as a result of it. So the, it's been a journey, but now there's a lot of joy in your life. What's one of your biggest joys? Like what's something that you do that we don't know that you do <laughs> when you celebrate, <laughs> when you're happy, happy, happy? What does that look like? What I do when I celebrate when I'm happy, 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 um, actually, for me, <laughs> and you're going to find this weird, is um, if, if I can make a difference in someone else's life, gives me uh, a, an enormous fulfillment um, because I was able to touch a family, a child, or somebody. 
um, my children uh, have always been um, the beats to my heart in every breath I take, always from day one till today, and they're 25 and 27 today. I don't know what I do without them, and I'm so grateful for them. Um, they truly are amazing success stories on their own, and they um, they're, they're very different than you know. We we have to put our a lot of effort in raising our children, and, and if we don't do that, then you know they become victims of circumstance based on the environment that they are subjected to. Um, and with everything that I have gone through, I made sure that my kids were always close to me. And so I you just you know have your health, have your happiness, have your family, have your children, and live is really um, the best advice I can give. I mean, right now because I've worked so hard all these years. And I wasn't living, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm a workhorse. <laughs> and um, <laughs> now I'm learning. I'm learning to live. I'm learning to relax. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning to delegate more. I'm learning um, to take care of me. Uh, and it, it's, I should have done it a long time ago, but, you know, we can't predict um, the curveballs that, that God throws our way. <laughs> and they're there for a reason so that we could <laughs> learn and become the person who we are today. So what does taking care of Raji look like? What does taking care of Raji look like? Uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm learning. You know, I, I will go and, mm-hmm. and get pampered, and I uh, maybe take a drive away for the weekend um, by mm-hmm. the beach, um, learning to enjoy my own company, um, which we don't do that because we're so busy, you know, in – in in like a tornado, our world is spinning as entrepreneurs, <laughs> and the hardest part is of being an entrepreneur, especially a woman entrepreneur, all your connections are business, and so you don't have time to really um, focus on personal connections because you're so busy mm-hmm. building the business. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if anybody out there is is wants to have their own business, I don't get so tied up into networking the business connections and take some time to, you know, smell the roses and breathe and, and have some personal connections. And that's where I'm learning to, to make friends on that level at this point in my life where I, you know, I, I don't have 20 friends. I don't have, you know, I don't go out all, every weekend. I, I didn't party. I was, that was, that was not me. That I was not that girl. Um, now I'm, I'm learning to get quality friends and quality people and do things, um, whether it's a walk in, on, on the beach or whether it's going out to dinner with somebody of, of quality is, is is more meaningful to me than anything else. Well, I want to, you know, close with that powering thought that you discussed with the ladies because, again, we do find out that that business comes so much of our world that when that world stops or slows down or we become empty nesters or things change, we're left with who we are and who the real gifts in our lives are. So it's, um, I admire you for acknowledging that your family and your children and your friends, and I admire you for at whatever point you are in your life to be able to realize, okay, now it is about me. Now I do need to work on that and to be open to do that. So you've, you actually learned from your lessons in the past, and you actually have a wonderful, bright future that you are preparing to journey. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and the women all over the world we feel that are empowered. So in closing, I want to thank you again. Raji, is there one line closing thought you want to share with our listeners today? Yeah, I do. Um, in, in life, personal and in business, the one thing that I've learned the most is 
for every issue, for every um, challenge in life, personal or business, there's always a solution, and it can be solved one of two ways. It's going to cost you emotion or it's going to cost you money. And as long as you understand that right now, when when you're challenged, it shouldn't be as devastating as it may hit you when you're challenged because, you know, there is a solution. There's a solution for everything. It's just which way is it going to be? You're going to be happy, sad, or you're gonna, it's going to cost you some money. Or you, <laughs> so I, as long as we take that in stride and we expect it, if you don't expect it, then it's a shock. But if you expect it, it's just part of day. It's, it's called life and it's called business, and you just move on. Next, go to the next thing. Don't get stuck in it. Thank you. <laughs> don't get stuck in it. Thank you so much, very much, for sharing your time and expertise. I want to thank our listeners for joining us today. And until we meet again, stay empowered. Thank you so much. I appreciate everything, Desiree. Have an, an amazing 